Hello, friends. It's M. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a deviation. Not really. So I don't want anyone to come at me for this isn't an apocalypse movie. Because there's two things I want to go over today. Well, there's going to be more than that, but there's two things I want to go over right now. So whenever we say apocalypse movies, you know, we're not saying like the biblical type of apocalypse um, because that would just be a different fucking show. But an apocalypse can also be described as anything that's like a situation that causes serious damage or destruction. Everyone can go through something and view it as the end of their world, which is why it's always, it's it's never good to like judge someone else's pain compared to your own. That's just shitty. You know, just because someone didn't go through the same amount of stuff that you went through doesn't mean that they're less, any less valid in what they're feeling. So, you know, what if someone's apocalypse is, um, they lost their job as opposed to someone's apocalypse, a tornado hit their house and they lost their family. That's that person's apocalypse. The other thing I wanted to talk about was what people consider fitness. So, you know, I actually went and like looked up actual definitions and I looked up in the, the Oxford dictionary, right? So the, the number one definition for fitness is the state of being physically healthy and strong. But then you know how the dictionary has like those little sub definitions? It'll be like, or it could mean this. And so one of them was actually the state of being good enough for something. So if you use those definitions for apocalypse and fitness, it would be the state of being good enough for a situation causing very serious damage or destruction. So with that, we're going to get into our movie. So the movie that I picked uh, for this episode is called Hush. So if you haven't seen Hush, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix for sure. That's where I just rewatched it. Um, and I feel like a lot of people didn't see it, which is a shame. If you're into sort of suspenseful movies, horror movies, um, it, I feel like they wanted to make it like a slasher movie. Kinda, I don't know. I. When I think of slasher movie, I think of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like my my bar is super high for that. Um, but Hush was made in 2016. So it stars um, Kate Siegel, which you may know from the movie that Mike Flanagan did, Midnight Mass, which everybody was like all about. Um, I think she also co-wrote this film. Pretty sure she did. So I'll give you a quick sort of synopsis on the film. 
we are going to get into a, a few specifics. So this episode may be a little bit longer um, than you're used to, although I don't really know. Um, so the, the whole plot of this movie is there's Kate Siegel. She plays a, a young woman named Maddie Young. Um, she's a deaf mute. She's also a horror author. So cool sort of connection there. Mike Flanagan wrote Midnight Mass. Kate Siegel starred in Midnight Mass. When you watch the movie Hush, she's the author of Midnight Mass. If you hadn't have seen this movie, you would have never known that sort of takeaway. Um, also, I'm one of those people when I watch a movie and if they get anywhere near someone's books, I'm like, what the fuck you got there? What are you reading? Um, so I immediately like had to scan all the books that you could possibly see in her house. Um, but the reason why you know that this is Midnight Mass is because um, of an interaction she has with the neighbor. So she's a, a deaf mute. The storyline is that she had contracted bacterial meningitis when she was a, like a, like a preteen, and I guess she had they had tried to do vocal cord surgery and it just never worked. So she signs. So the the crazy thing about this movie is that a good portion of it is not necessarily in silence. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's also not a lot of people in this movie, which is nice because you don't have to like sort of keep tabs on things, but there there is signing, there is subtitles. What they do instead of having it be completely silent is that they have the noises almost amplified to show how she can't hear that, but we can. Um, so she the whole premise behind this is that she used to live um in the city new york city and she wrote midnight mass it was a big hit she decided to leave new york and live like in the woods with her cat you know i'm not really sure if it's because of a breakup or she was just like okay now i'm a little too famous and i can't handle it and so she goes off and lives in the woods. Where in the woods? No idea. It's sort of not disclosed. Um, but it is sort of out there. You can tell that, like, she's isolated. And while she does have a neighbor that she sort of hangs out with and stops by a lot, it doesn't seem as if you can see her house. Um, I imagine you have to walk quite a ways to get to that person's house. So you start off by sort of seeing her cook this meal and it's turning out horribly like she's just I, maybe she's not a good cook i don't know anyway she's cooking this meal blah 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 her neighbor sarah texts her and you know she sees it sarah was like oh can i come over her for you she's like yeah please um i'm just over here making a, a mess out of my kitchen anyway so Sarah had originally come over to basically return her book and was like, you know, like, oh, I loved it, so on and so forth. Um, so while Sarah is visiting, 
she totally forgets, Maddie totally forgets that she's cooking. Like she has shit on the stove and stuff in the oven. And out of nowhere, you hear this just piercing, it's like siren with flashing lights. And Sarah actually points and goes, what's the lights? And Maddie signs fire alarm. And they go in there and they like situate everything. And Sarah has to like cover her ears because it's so loud. And um, Maddie explains, she's, you know, well, Sarah had asked, she's like, why is it like that? She's like, well, I need to be able to feel the vibrations and I need to be able to see the lights because I won't hear like a typical smoke alarm. Sidebar, um, did you know that most smoke alarms people can't hear even when you're asleep? Like it's not enough to wake you? Um, I'm not really sure why we haven't fixed that yet in terms of the rest of us. So her friend leaves and she's sort of just left trying to write and doing all this stuff and, you know, cleaning up the mess that is her house because like, you know, she fucked up this meal. And then all of a sudden Sarah comes running back to the house and is slamming on the door. But of course she can't hear her because she's deaf. She's slamming on the door and she's being attacked. So this killer pretty quickly figures out that Maddie can't hear him. And he decides that he's going to fuck with her. And this sort of gets into the movie of her one not even realizing that he's around that her friend Sarah has been killed basically on her front door step that uh, he's been in and out of her house he actually took um, her phone at some point when she was cleaning up the kitchen and took pictures of her the thing about this movie that gets me is how uh, creepy that is and how sort of realistic it it can be. You know, if you know anything about like the Golden State Killer or like um, Ramirez, the Night Stalker, those guys did some horrible, horrible things, but they really liked to um, fuck with their victims. And they would do stuff like that, like be in the house and like wait in a closet and just wait until, you know, and you're going through your whatever, cleaning, putting your kids to bed, and they're just watching you the whole time. They would like wait till you fell asleep and then make themselves a sandwich before they killed you. They were terrible human beings. So this was a really realistic sort of thing for me because I'm really into serial killers. Uh, I shouldn't say that. That makes me sound like a groupie. I'm not into serial killers. They fascinate me because they're fucked up and I'm not fucked up. So she soon realizes something's going on. So at some point, I think like her sister face, not FaceTimes, but Skypes or something like that. It must be FaceTime because it goes through her phone and through her laptop. And at some point her sister was just like, oh, you should come back to the city. You know, um, don't worry about Craig. I guess it's her ex-boyfriend. Um, but while her sister is signing to her, her sister's also talking out loud because she's not deaf. So she 
just knows how to sign because her like she had to learn it for her sister but she speaks when she signs whereas maddie does not speak when she signs she's a deaf mute so at some point her sister was just like what is is there something in the background what was that and she was like oh it must be the cat she wants her food she's like okay well i'm gonna go do that meanwhile it really was that guy was like in her house doing the sketchy stuff so essentially what happens once he's realized that this is what he wants to do he sort of starts to mock her and the way he mocks her is he sends her pictures from her own phone <laughs> i'm not sure how that works or he must have sent her pictures from like sarah's phone and it's pictures of of her like working on the computer her sitting on her couch her going into another room and she was like wait what then she realized like her doors were open sidebar always lock your fucking doors i don't understand people who i don't care where i live i could live uh, in the middle of 100 acres i'm locking my doors and he tries to get in she starts going through the house locking every single whatever whatever and realizes um this guy is gonna try to kill her so at some point she she gets like um must be like lipstick and she writes on the the uh not the window but like her her whole house is nothing but windows it's it's fucking ridiculous like her doors are all windows like it's no it's not a door it's just like a fucking window and so she writes down like um won't tell i didn't see your face and my boyfriend's coming home soon and that's when stuff gets even more creepy So this guy's like wearing a like this mask that I can only describe as being like what appears to be the most uncomfortable looking mask I've ever seen in my life. Like it just doesn't look like it breathes well. It kind of looks, I don't know if it's plasticky or plastery or I don't know. It's just, it doesn't look like something I guess I would wear if I was going to be stalking some woman in the woods. Um, but he, after reading the, the note that she put there, she actually took a, a flashlight to like sort of illuminate so he would walk up to it. He reads it, looks up at her, and takes his mask off. And he then says, can you read lips? And she doesn't answer right away. She's kind of frozen. Bangs on the window slash door. He said, can you read lips? And she, she nods. He says, well, You've seen it now, haven't you? Basically, he says to her, I'm going to come in there. But first, we're going to have fun with this. And proceeds to just sort of taunt her and so on and so forth. So this is where we're going to get into more about a situation causing very serious damage or destruction. Um, and how she sort of reacts to it. So... There's a few things, and I actually have a couple of studies here, so I'm sorry if you hear my papers sort of rustling around, but 
Sometimes when we watch movies, we get very frustrated with how people respond. And I think that's because we're looking at it from an entertainment point of view and not looking at it from like a person point of view. So when she's sort of just sitting there, locked in her house, realizing, oh my God, there's a crazy person here. Um, because even at some point he had dragged Sarah's body back and like, like taunted her with it in a very creepy way. So what that leads me to is that whole, remember people used to say it's like fight or flight? It's actually a little bit more um, intense than that. It's fight, flight, or freeze. So we as humans have evolved. Modern humans have evolved from our ancestors really, really holding on to that fight, flight, or freeze. Because without it, the struggle to survive for our ancestors would have been real. Whether it's animals, other groups, um, things like that. The problem is, for most of us nowadays, we don't have to live in that sort of stressful environment where, you know, a bobcat might attack me while I'm sleeping or I have to worry about raiding other, you know, tribes or whatever they, they're called, clans or groups. And even though we don't have that, we still have those stress responses, which is why, you know, some people have really bad anxiety, you know, like clinical type anxiety um, or panic attacks because our bodies are still used to having to make that split section that sorry guys split section i can't even talk never mind you know what i'm saying decision um about whether or not i should be afraid of that tiger of course you'd be afraid of that tiger it's a tiger you're just a human with your thumbs and you think you're tough shit and you're not it's still a tiger you know but for you know like in modern terms you would have to think of the stress response as being if you were going to cross the street and a speeding car came by what your reaction to that would be or like have you ever seen those videos where you see like a parent who like quickly stops their kid from falling you know like they'll have like a toddler on the couch and then all of a sudden it like starts doing a header and like some super dad like reaches out his arm while he's laying there and like grabs the kid because that's his reaction um so a few things happen in your body when that happens so the amygdala picks up this cue from the environment right oh shit there's danger it gathers all of that information and sends it to your nervous system you don't necessarily have to think about it your body just reacts so when she's sort of just sitting there for that second where he's taunting her she is reacting to her body getting all this information like there's a creepy guy he killed my neighbor he knows i'm in here he knows i'm deaf what the fuck am i gonna do then like your adrenal glands start they get a signal to start pumping you full of adrenaline and then that's when the decision for fight or flight happens so and then you anyone who's had that kind of thing happen 
like your heart rate increases your pulse your blood pressure you know it it reaches to your vital organs and muscles it prepares you in case you need to physically run jump or get away you know the small airways sort of open up in your lungs you start to breathe more quickly your brain is getting way more oxygen making it more alert and your senses become sharper so i know we get frustrated when we see like in the movies where they just kind of sit there but that's that's actually fairly normal that's a good response to be able to take those few seconds to say oh shit what am i going to do right now so she realizes that she has to do something and so she tries to at this point he's like stabbed the tires in her car um he had cut either the power or the phone lines i'm not I'm not entirely sure i think it was the phone line and or the power because she couldn't even use her phone and he had he had her phone so she thinks to herself i'm gonna use this i'm gonna use my car keys you know i'm gonna trigger the alarm so i can try to get to sarah's body to get her phone which is in her pocket so she does that he goes over to the car like what's that she literally starts crawling out of a window trying to get her friend's phone he runs up to her gets back in and he actually pulls sarah's phone out of his pocket and she realizes i'm i'm fucked and so she decides you know she's gonna try to run for it um she tries to get out through like a second story window he shoots her in the leg with the crossbow oh by the way he has a crossbow i guess this guy really likes hunting people so she sort of manages to um he goes chasing up after her you know because she's been shot in the leg he goes chasing up after her and while he's climbing up there she grabs the the crossbow and knocks him down gets into the house and you know points the crossbow out the problem is it doesn't have a bolt in it an arrow um so and i think at that point she had actually also injured him like she had she had grabbed like a knife and like a hammer and was like okay like this is what's happening so she has this crossbow and she sort of locked locks herself in the bathroom and tries to pull the the string on the crossbow now if you've never shot a crossbow and i have on my own crossbow i own quite a few compound bows too whatever you see in the walking dead is not real there's no feasible way that norman reedus pulls back a 150 pound to 200 pound crossbow with his bare hands 
Um, and even in the movie, when the guy does it, I'm like, that's a load of shit. Because one, it is extremely hard to do. Most people use like pulley, which is kind of like, it has these two hooks on it, and then it has like two other handles on it. You put your foot in that little stirrup thing and you pull back and it, it redistributes that weight, just like they taught you in science class. And that's how you get it to click in. She's in there trying to pull this and pull this and pull that. And uh, problem is she's bleeding. This is when her adaptations as a deaf person start to really show in this movie. This is when you realize that she is good enough for something. And he mouths to her like, run run and it's crazy because at that point you see her running and a whole shit ton of stuff happens but actually what's happening is that her writer's brain is kicking in and coming up with the scenario basically it's telling her if she runs i have a gimp leg this guy's gonna smash my head in with a rock and i'm done for so she sits back realizes that at this point, she can't outrun him because she's hurt. She can't hide because she'll bleed to death. So she has to fight him. And so she sort of comes up with this plan, as much of a plan as it can be. She eventually does get the crossbow to, to click in. Um, her cat shows up, right? And this sick fuck is like, oh, I'm gonna kill the cat. And she actually shoots the uh, the killer with the crossbow, but it's it's like a, you know, like a glancing, not a glancing wound, but it, I mean, it hits him in the shoulder or something like that. She goes running back into the house. He ends up catching up to her. She had dropped one of the bolts on the floor on the ground outside she reaches her hand through to try to get it and he slams a sliding door on her hand like just it's brutal it's brutal and she finally gets her hand in and locks the door and basically he says i i'm coming in like i'm gonna come in so in her own was so badass in her own blood she writes on the window do it coward um he starts bashing the door in with like a tire iron she runs to her laptop types in the description of the guy and a message to her family then she sort of locks herself in the bathroom with a knife so i want to talk a little bit about how sort of people who have lost one sense whether it's sight or hearing um, may not necessarily develop heightened senses in some other way that's not feasibly possible while most people think of like daredevil you know there is a, a small percentage of blind people who can do the clicking um, and there's a bunch of great 
podcast on that um, where they literally can like make a clicking noise or they have a clicker and it helps bounce the sound waves off and they can tell where something is so I wanted to look it up for deaf people because one of the things that she had said was she has to feel the vibrations so we would just think oh she's just using one other sense for the fact that she doesn't have the sense of hearing so that whole thing that there's an improvement in another sense is a learned behavior it's not necessarily true um there is a lot of evidence though and this is from um a study from scientific american or an article from scientific american that used another study so there's a whole bunch of evidence that people missing one sense don't just learn to use the other ones better um the brain actually adapts basically giving itself sort of a makeover so that part of the brain that is not utilized for hearing is now just rewired um and it gets to be used to process other senses so if they normally if that part of the brain is normally used for um processing sound it could be used to process touch and vision um so they have this perceptual illusion that hearing people don't have like this don't have any type of sense of hearing it's it's kind of hard to explain but this is what they did you know when you go to the eye doctor and they do that puff into your eye with the the pressure test and it scares the shit out of you and whatever so they did that and they asked deaf people what they saw and deaf people in this very small study um had said they saw two burst of light where there's air there is no there is no light it's air but because that part of their brain is now utilized for something else um their brain has made it so they see sound as opposed to hearing sound so you know and that goes with something called neuroplasticity which is the ability to for our brains to sort of change with experience um and i think that when people first start watching this movie they think oh my god it's a deaf woman that's it she's done for um but she does have this remarkable ability to feel things that others can't and be very sensitive to the slightest of things and you see that when she's sort of like next to windows and she's clearly sitting in silence and she's deaf but she notices when a shadow moves so she knows when he's going towards the window so anyway she locks herself up in the bathroom waiting does not hear him break the glass that's behind her but what she does feel because she can't hear him talk he's talking he's he's such a piece of shit he's just talking behind her he um says something and then he breathes out a little bit 
and that tiny bit of breath is what she felt. And she immediately turned and stabbed him. She ends up running. Whole struggle sort of ensues. She ends up in the kitchen, like she's like basically dying at this point. She's she's lost so much blood. When she was like bouncing around the kitchen, grabbing stuff the first time, like she had a whole bunch of shit had fallen out of the, like underneath the sink, so on and so forth. And so he comes up to her. She looks half dead, and she sprays him with wasp spray. So. I know that a lot of people sometimes sort of talk about wasp spray in terms of like home defense. So just so you know, it does spray 30 feet. It's a terrible skin and eye irritant, but also it's illegal to use it in a capacity it's not meant for. Disclaimer, don't come for me. Anyway, in this completely fictional movie, that's what she does. Then she actually grabs the um, fire or smoke signal, uh, smoke alarm, fire alarm, because she had taken it off before because it was like so whatever to her friend Sarah. She had to pull the battery out. She slams the battery back in and that is so loud to him and it's flashing. It's like a strobe light and she's holding it in front of him and he's like holding his ears and freaking out. And then there's a whole struggle so on and so forth and um he attempts to strangle her and she stabs him with i think like a wine cork that had fallen at some point when he was like flailing around from the sound of it all um he had uh, knocked it over so i guess i really wanted to do this movie for a couple of reasons one to show that women are very capable this is, a, this is a great, like, feminist movie. You know, like, in the sense that this isn't a damsel in distress. She decided, I can't run and I can't hide, so I have to fight. And it speaks a lot to how we have to adapt to things. You know... Fitness isn't always about how fast you can run. Sometimes it's just being good enough for something. She just had to be a little bit better than him at something, even though she was deaf, which doesn't take anything away from a person. A disability doesn't take anything away from a person. Um, And she found a way to fight back. And I think a lot of the times people think, oh, if I can't do this completely, I can't run an eight minute mile. What's the point of running? That's so fucking dumb. That's the dumbest shit you can say to yourself. Because isn't it better to go for a walk and at least you're doing something? Of course it is. You know, is it better to say to yourself, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna prep like the world is ending, but Maybe I'll make sure that I have two weeks worth of food in my house, just in case something stupid happens. You know, I'm not, I don't consider myself like a prepper. Um, For a good portion of my life, I grew up in New York City and then I moved to like the mountains where we kind of got snowed in a lot. 
and you just kind of get used to having things on hand and I've just sort of let my adult life be like that um you know but that's being able to adapt and you have to be able to take what you have and use it the greatest thing in that movie is her ability to go through scenarios and decide what's the best course of action she took her flight fight or freeze and used it in order to adapt to her own little apocalypse so i highly highly recommend that book um one of the ways that you know you can help yourself adapt is just picking some kind of new activity to try you know if you're not super physically fit just go do something you know a little bit of meditation calm yourself down a little bit sometimes do something that scares you a little bit i'm not saying i'm not advocating like skydiving that's fucking crazy but do do you um but i really think that people need to put themselves in situations so that they can learn to adapt to what's happening and know you don't have to be perfect so my advice use what you got do the best you can lock your doors stay away from creepy guys i'll talk to you guys soon take care